Good morning. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Our service will be shortened just a bit. Some of you might say, amen, that, but we're going to prepare. We're partnering with Ronald McDonald House, and on Tuesday we get to serve uh, all the kids at the Starship Hospital. So that'll happen after church today. We'll do some of the preparation for that. But we'd like to welcome back the Beekmans, Olaf and Mir, who returned from their travels. Good to have you guys back home. And a big bulavanaka for Eroni and Satiri, who are here visiting from Fiji. There they are over there. And I think Timothy and Timothy and Kali are in Fiji at the moment, right now, on the, on the spa core. So that's pretty exciting. Good news coming up in just a second about that. I also want to welcome Lorenzo and Amila from our church in Sydney as well. They're here somewhere. There they are, right smack dab in the middle. Welcome. And our brother Kelly Kerwin, who's who's here as well, visiting from Sydney, but he's on a scouting mission to eventually move back to New Zealand. So pray for that. He said it's about 90% possible. So we just need to bridge the gap with the 10% prayer and we're all good. And thanks to the campus and professional ministry last night, they put on the father-daughter dance, which was, that was so awesome. That was fantastic. And John and Caitlin sang a song that went viral. It's going around the world. It's like moving people's hearts. I was very moved at the end. I felt like I need to exercise because, you know, I felt emotion coming up inside. Like, I need to go do some push-ups or something. You know, like, oh, man, but it it was so moving. They sang a song together. And, of course, we had dance and games and food and lots of sugar and, and of course, the trophy. The trophy. So there's a, there's a running trophy that goes on every, every year. And I think Metu and his girls won it one year. That's correct, isn't it, Metu? Which was awesome. And so then I said, you know what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get a dance routine for my girls. And, and we came back and, and we won it last year, which, which we were very proud of. And we came to repeat but unfortunately, and well, maybe not unfortunately, but as it stands, there was a new, there was a new victor last night for the dance party. And um, so we have a little bit of footage, and in the background you can't hear it, but we are the champions. We, that's that singing. But what happened is Nick and Jasmine actually won the trophy last night. So just go, there it is, there it is. But I tell you, I tell you what, man, Nick was doing things that a man his age should not be doing on the dance floor. I'm surprised. I know you're sore this morning, bro. I know you're sore. And it was just really awesome. So we have a little bit of footage of the turnover. Here's me and my daughters bringing the trophy and and giving it to Nick, who says, thank you very much. That's what he says. Thanks, Brother Love. So, uh, big, big, they did a great job. And again, it was a fantastic night of fathers having a very special time with their daughters. So, thanks to all help plan that. And then, lastly, our sister Kali is is right now in Fiji and she is dating our brother Jordan Diakina from the sister church in the Gold Coast. So, that's what's going on right there. She's, she looks very happy, doesn't she? Man, how can you not be happy in Fiji? That's just awesome. Come on, Tita. That's awesome. 
So that's great news. She comes back probably in a week or so, or maybe a little bit later that she'll head over to the campus retreat and all that kind of stuff. So awesome. Let's pray. Second Corinthians chapter one is where we are. So we'll dive in and have a short lesson before we get to prepare for the Ronald McDonald house. God, we are so grateful to worship you this morning and all that you do for us. You keep everything finely tuned for us. And I pray that as we read these scriptures, uh, as, as was sang earlier, the ancient words, and as Scott mentioned in the communion, help, help us to not only understand intellectually, but help us to really sink into our hearts and minds so that we can act on it. And it can change and affect us, and then it can change and affect the world. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're starting at verse 12. We'll read a few verses and then have two quick points. In verse 12, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you. So there's a bit of walking on eggshells. You probably have those kind of relationships with people where you're not quite sure what to say or how to say it because it might offend them or they might misunderstand it or they might take it the wrong way. Maybe you don't. But I'm sure you do <laughs> at some point. This is, this is Paul's relationship to the church in Corinth. And he says, look, we, we've conducted ourselves in the world, but especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We've done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. Although, according to Peter, some of Paul's writings are, are hard to understand. People take and twist them what he's really trying to say. Even the Corinthian church would at times say, do you really mean this, Paul? Do you really mean that? So he does write some things that are a bit difficult, although if you meditate on them, you can understand them. And I hope that in verse 14, as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand us fully. But you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes and no, no. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, and Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in Him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And now, here's the reason I changed my plans, church. Verse 23, I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. So, I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? 
I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. To help us understand this a bit better, 1 Corinthians, at the end of the letter, Paul says, here is my travel plans. We're going to meet and I'm going to visit, and I'm going to stay a little while. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. However, that's not what actually happened. How many of you have said things, and because plans change, you can't actually come through, or you've had that happen to you? All of us, right? And so this is what happens. He, he makes a brief visit and has a lot of conflict in the church. There's likely some brother that he's trying to to disfellowship that has a problem with that, throws up a big stink about it, and the rest of the church kind of sides with this brother. And so Paul leaves and says, this, this isn't going too well. I'm going to retreat, let a little bit of time pass, write a letter, and hopefully things will start to restore. And so because he doesn't spend a lot of time, the church says, Paul, but you said, you said you were going to stay here for a while, and now you're leaving. You must be fickle. You must not really be faithful. You're, you just say one thing and you do another. Right? Now what happens when you start to discredit the messenger is you also lose the message. That, that's true in real life. No, no one goes to get physical training from someone that's like obese. That makes sense, right? You, that, like, that doesn't make sense. And so in this, in this case, they're saying, Paul, you, you say one thing and you do another. Maybe your message, maybe the gospel isn't even legit because look at your life. And so Paul, ha- imagine, have, have, have you ever tried to defend your motives to someone? I mean, it's complicated. Yeah. All right. And so here he is saying, look, look, I, I, I know what I said, but I did what I did. And let me explain so you can understand me fully why I do what I do. And so this is what we capture in this. And so overall, it's, it's, it's Paul explaining to him that God is faithful. And as a result, I'm faithful to God. Let's look at those two things really quick. First, God is faithful. In verse 18, Paul's responding to their criticism. And you have, you have to put yourself in his shoes where he's defending The motives of his actions. In verse 18, as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by the three of us, has always been yes. For however many promises God has made there, yes in Christ. And so Paul is first saying, look, let me just establish, before I talk about the reason why I changed my plans. God is always faithful. It doesn't matter what humans do. God is always faithful. His his promises are always yes. And the whole Old Testament is a a tribute to that. That's what he says in verse 20. For however many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. The whole Old Testament is written about Christ. And Christ shows up on the scene. Promise fulfilled. God is faithful. In verse 21 and 22, he basically says, and and because God is faithful, he can make me and you both faithful and stand firm in whatever we do. So don't get it twisted. Just because I've changed my plans, God is faithful. Now that's a different kind of response to someone questioning your motives and you saying, trust me, just trust me. Paul's saying, 
Don't trust me. Trust God because God is faithful. And amen to that. That's very important for me and you and all of us to consider. That God is a God who is constantly and consistently faithful. There's a cool show on Netflix now called One Strange Rock. It's really awesome. It kind of shows you how the, the world we live in comes together. And it's pretty interesting. But what it does also point to is that, that there's some creator behind the scenes holding this all together. It's not random and arbitrary. And on earth, the oxygen level is maintained around 21%. All right. And so what that means for you and me is that we have enough oxygen to breathe. Thank God for that. Right now, nobody wakes up or nobody goes to bed thinking about I better make sure I keep breathing. That's kind of a mindless activity that we do. We don't really consider that. Wow. There's some there's some system in place faithfully going on behind the scenes that's allowing me to breathe. And it's so finely tuned at 21% that if it increased to at least 25% or beyond, what would happen? We'd all become more flammable. Because, you know, you ever breathed on a fire? What happens? The fire starts getting bigger. So when more oxygen, you know, so imagine that. We tweak the oxygen level up to 25, combusted. Not good. All right. If it decreases to about 15%, what happens when you don't have enough oxygen? flat can suffocate. So, you know, here's this finely tuned, faithful system of oxygen. And look, it it goes through this process on this one strange rock about how it starts in glaciers and the glaciers fall into the ocean and these organisms eat the glaciers and they send the rain. They, I don't, you know, I can't even explain how it happens. It's crazy. And then it goes over to the Amazon rainforest and they figure it out there and then it sends it to the deserts. But it's this constant cycle of just oxygen being spread around the world for you and me to simply breathe. And it's mind-blowing. And it's not just randomly happening. It's happening because there is a faithful God keeping that going. And the moment it gets tweaked, you and I are cooked or we're suffocating. And so there's, and that's just one example of many on earth, not talking about the entire cosmos, okay? Because there's so many systems like that, that there's a faithful creator behind the scenes actively involved. And that's what Paul's saying in this. And the Psalms over and over testify to that. Psalm 74, the day is yours. And the night, it was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. Every system, gravity, oxygen, you name it, evaporation, whatever you pick. It's a system faithfully set in place by God. And nobody can adjust it. And that's our faithful God behind the scene. That's what Psalm 102 says as well. Verse 25, in the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. What's the point? God is faithful over and over. And so God is, is, is these enormous complex systems all over the cosmos. God has set them in place. And you think it's hard to just keep your schedule on a weekly basis, Right? And the point of this is, is Paul is saying to this church, look, yes, I know I changed my travel plans, but don't get it twisted. God is faithful. God is faithful. He established my faith. He established your faith. God is faithful. That's an encouragement to you and me and all of us. Because you can look at things that are going on and it might not be going well from a human point of view. But God is always faithful. Behind the scenes, establishing something for the best possible outcome. 
And Paul says in this letter, hey, look, when I change my plans or I do this or that, it's, it's somehow connected to the faithfulness of God. So you've got to trust that God has the best picture in mind. Secondly, and lastly, we have to be faithful to God. Since God is faithful, He's the one that causes us to stand firm. That's what verse 21 says, doesn't it? If you look there, it says, no matter how many promises in verse 20, God has made their yes in Christ, and so through Him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Verse 21, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. And here's the things he's done. Here's the things he's done as a result of his faithfulness. He's given us a seal of ownership. He's put his spirit on us, guaranteeing what is to come. And so Paul is saying, look, God is faithful, but now let me tell you why I didn't come. And, and we've all experienced disappointment if someone says, I promise you, we're going to meet on this day at this time. I promise you I'll visit. And then they don't turn up. And you think, stink, man. Does that, what's wrong with that person? Do they really love me? Do they really care for me? What's the deal? What's going on? That's what the church is feeling from Paul. He says, okay, first of all, God is faithful. But let me tell you, the reason I didn't come was not because I didn't love you. It's not because I'm fickle. It's not because I'm just doing whatever I think I should do. It's because... I wanted to spare you in verse 1. I made up my mind not to make another painful visit. If I came, it wasn't going to be nice, sweet fellowship. It was going to be church discipline. And you wouldn't have liked that, and you would have been sad, and that would have grieved me, and that wouldn't have worked. So I said, it's not going well right now. Let me just let it cool off. In other words, if I would have come, I would have made it rain. I would install some discipline, right? And he says, that, that wasn't the right moment for that. It just wasn't right. And it wasn't because I don't love you. I wrote this painful letter. I was deeply grieved. I was distressed. It's because I love you that I did not come. I wanted to spare you. And so this is important. And, and he wanted them to understand, look, God is faithful. But the reason I didn't come is it wasn't the right time. God is faithful, but I, I wanted to figure out what would be the best possible outcome to sort this relationship out. All right, this is a big deal because you and I and all of us want to be faithful to God, right? But there's a spectrum, I think, that we can often slide on. On the far left is the yes man. And if you've ever been in this situation, whenever someone asks you to do something, if you're a yes man or woman, your motive is to please that person. So you don't really consider, hey, would you like to meet this week? Yes. Can you help me do this? Yes. Can you help me with this project? Yes. And because we're all concerned and consumed about pleasing people, our schedule just gets filled. We don't have boundaries. We don't know how to say no. And we're constantly just saying yes to people. And that, that, that's burdening. And it's overwhelming. And it's going to get you in trouble. Because nobody can please everyone. And Paul said, look, if I had just said, if I would have just wanted to do, if I would have just done what you wanted me to do, you wouldn't have been approval. It wouldn't have been approval anyway. That, that's, that, that's that end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum is people who just don't care. They say, you know, and, and I find my natural tendency is a bit like this. Someone says one thing, I automatically think I'm going to do the exact opposite. Megan can attest to this. And I, you know, on the, it's like, you know, and that doesn't work in relationships either. I'm going to go on Wednesday. Well, I'm going to go on Thursday. Well, 
you know, even silly things like Megan bought me something that she thought would be helpful for my gut. She brought it home and she said, I got you this. And I was like, why didn't you ask me before you bought it? And she said, why are you responding to me buying you something? And I'm like, that's actually a good question. It's a good question, fair enough. But that's, that's my natural tendency. But, and so Paul is not either. He said in the middle, there's, there's this conviction that I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm not going to always say yes to people, and I'm not just going to rebel and not care what people think. I'm going to, what does God think first and foremost, and that's what I'm going to do. And it might upset somebody, but at least I'm faithful to God. And if I can get them to understand that I'm being faithful to God for the best possible outcome, then perhaps they'll understand me fully. And not just in part. That's what Paul is saying here. And so there's several outcomes of being faithful to God. One is that you still deal with issues. You still deal with issues. If you're a yes man, you never deal with issues. If you're a rebel in your heart, then you'll just try to lord it over people. And just try to get them to do what you think is best. But if you're faithful to God, in this passage, Paul's saying, I'm not going to gloss over these problems. I am going to deal with them. In the right time. That's a hard thing to learn in Christianity. It's a hard thing to learn in leadership. Because you want to deal with the problem. You want to sort it out. And maybe you can see clearly. But they won't. And maybe they won't see clearly for three months. Six months. One year. Who knows how long. We're we're, we're going to deal with the problem. Because I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm not going to gloss over it. I'm not going to ignore it. We're not going to just pretend. We're, We're not going to just end the relationship. We're going to work this through. Because I'm faithful to God. So you deal with issues. Another thing is you're really concerned about persuading people. That's verse 24. Because Paul says, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. In other words, he could have came and said, here's what you need to do, and you should do it. But you see his heart come out in these letters. He's, he's like going to great lengths trying to persuade them about God's faithfulness and who God is and what should be done. So that... They can make their own decision. That's a much harder avenue than you better do this or else. That's much, much harder to do. Trying to persuade somebody. If you're trying to persuade somebody about the gospel, you just need to repent. Well, it's, it's a lot harder to try to persuade them. If you're trying to work with somebody in the church and, it, and, and you know, at least you think you know what they ought to do, and you just tell them and they do it, that's not genuine faith. But if you, if you meditate and try to, what's the best possible outcome? And you try to persuade them and then leave them the decision. And they make the decision, that's faith. And that's what he's saying in here. We don't lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. I'm trying to explain this to you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you understand so that you can make your own decision. It's kind of like parenting. Just because, just because you have an argument, it doesn't mean you terminate the relationship. <laughs> right? <laughs> this doesn't happen like that. You're faithful to your kids, so you keep working with them. And that's, that's what we have here. Is there's a, an example of Paul being faithful to God, and his outcomes are determined by that. As we conclude this morning, it's helpful for us to really reflect on God's faithfulness. Because when everything else is turning to custard, God is still faithful. And if we all wake up with a conviction that whatever happens today, God is behind the scenes doing something, it's very freeing. And secondly, we also need to be faithful to God. 
We don't need to be concerned about pleasing people or rebelling against people. But what does God think? What is the best possible solution that God has in mind? And I'll keep working to those ends. And then we can all stand firm together. Amen. Amen.